Welcome to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, the chair and co founder of I Relaunch, and your host for today. Today, we welcome Kara Mack, shoe and apparel designer, entrepreneur, and creator of Shoe Candy. We are going to talk about building a business, getting a patent, and a complete career transition from designer to entrepreneur without any prior entrepreneurship background or knowledge. Hi, Kara. Welcome to 321i Relaunch. Hi, Carol. Thanks so much for having me. Well, we're thrilled to have you and to hear this remarkable story of entrepreneurship as we have many relaunchers in our audience who are interested in relaunching as entrepreneurs and many who do not have any prior experience as an entrepreneur. So uh, we think there's going to be a lot of interest in what you have to say. And I just want to start out by uh, asking you about life before Shoe Candy, your company. You built and are running this exciting company, but um, before you had this idea, you spent over 20 years as a designer. Can you just briefly give us some background of your life leading up to forming the company? Um, sure. So I had been living in New York City up until 9-11, and uh, we finally moved to Westchester County, New York, um, where I started commuting. And, you know, that was a little difficult because I had little kids. Um, you know, there was a th- probably a three-hour-a-day round-trip commute going in and out of the city, Um, I was a design director for most of those years, so I had teams who worked below me uh, who would, you know, basically take my design ideas and and make them happen. Um, By profession, I am what they call a knitwear technologist, so I was trained to learn and run knitting machines, Um, and so that was a specialty of mine even though I also did all sorts of wovens and, and, and painted jacquards and prints and so on and so forth. Um, I really had my hands on the needle all the time. Interesting. Um, and for those of us who are real, you know, neophytes when it comes to the fashion business, um, when you say that you're a designer and you're a knitwear technologist, um, so is this something that you started out more in different materials and then over time became a specialist in knitwear or how did that happen? So I went to the Fashion Institute of Technology and you basically, you know, learn all the, ba- the sewing, the draping, the pattern making basics, your artwork, um, all about art history. And your last semester, you choose a major. And I felt that since I had started quite young, my mom had me sewing at the age of eight. Um, I could do women's wear. I could do children's wear. I could do evening wear. But one thing I knew nothing about was knitting. So I decided that that's what I was going to major in. And it really um, helped me with my trajectory throughout my career because it is such a technical um, knowledge base and very, very difficult, but I loved it. 
So you just made a comment that uh, caught my ear be- before um, going on in, uh, about this specialty um, in knitting, which is, and is a knitting technologist, which is really fascinating to me since I've never heard of it before. Um, but you said your mother had you selling at age eight. So can you just, uh, I mean, sales is such an important component of being an entrepreneur. And I'm just zeroed in on that for a minute because I'm wondering what that was and if you think that's had an impact on who you are now and and the success you've had in building your business so far. Um, I would think so because, first of all, I wanted to do it. It's not like she sat me down and said, okay, you have to sew. My mom sewed all of our dresses for my sisters and I. And I remember making my first bikini which I think I took some fabric and I cut two triangles and, and, and I didn't use a sewing machine. I tied the strings together. <laughs> right. I remember those bikinis. <laughs> I was always crafty. I was always sketching. I was uh, a serial doodler, which meant I wasn't a very good academic student because I was always drawing. Um, and then I also, my mom, you know, entered me in all these different contests as a kid whether it was an art contest, a sewing contest, um, a, a wool dyeing contest. Um, and yeah, I, I just, I couldn't get enough of it. I just loved being creative. Oh, that's, that's so interesting. So um, tell us about the moment when you uh, thought about the idea for Shoe Candy and did that, was that the moment where you actually left your job or was there a progression there and how did that all work? Funny enough, when I look back, I have a picture of all these chemicals on my kitchen counter that uh, my kids would gently call mom's mom's in the lab because I I had been mixing, you know, chemicals and, and carving clay and baking clay, just trying to feel out this, figure out how to do this um, removable heel cover on my shoes. And I looked at a picture recently and there was a calendar that said 2011 and I couldn't believe it because I, I guess in my head, I thought I started about 2013, but I've been working on it for years before I actually came up with um, the idea that got far enough to hire an engineer to put it into three and four D before I could get somebody to not injection mold, but um, 3D print the heels to see if they even worked. Um, and what happened is I had a rare luck experience um, to have a one-on-one meeting with Damon John. I don't know if you know from Shark Tank. Okay. He's one of the investors and he, he runs FUBU. And um, so that meeting was to kind of show him my concept. And I had two pairs of shoes that I had made in Queens. They cost me $1,000 a pair because they were custom made. And then I had these broken pieces of um, a heel. And the reason they were broken is because at that time you couldn't choose your, the chemicals that you used to 3D print were all brittle. They didn't have any flexibility. So whenever I would try and remove the heel cover or put it on, it would break in half. But knowing that if that had flexibility to it, it would work. So I went in with my husband's barbecue kit that I had unloaded. Um, I lined it with pink velvet fabric and I put uh, these two pairs of shoes 
some of my heels, some of the handmade candy I made. And I had a one-on-one meeting with Damon John, who at the end threw his hands up and compared it to Build-A-Bear Workshop and an American Girl model um, and said, this can be huge. And that was May 30th, 2014. And I quit my job the next day because I felt that I finally had somebody that I didn't know was not a friend or family member, somebody that was in this space that had good vision um, in the industry. And to get that validation from somebody like that, it was enough for me. Right. Can, can you talk about like how that meeting, was it someone who knew someone who knew someone and that's how you got that opportunity? At that time, he had been touring doing something called, I think, the Damon John Academy for Entrepreneurs. And so I had participated in one of the events. And, uh, you know, it was one of those things where I just had the opportunity. I was kind of hand-chosen to do that. Yeah. So exciting. Okay, so you quit your job the next day. and, And then what happened? Then what happened? Then I went on LinkedIn and I found an agent in Brazil. And then the reason I did that is I was trying to source my heel and heel cover invention domestically. And I think that was about $24,000 to just do a heel mold for one heel height and shape size. So I also wanted this, I wanted my shoes to be uber comfortable Um, because one of the reasons I came up with the idea was my long commute into New York city and all the walking I had to do. And whenever I got to my desk, I had a dozen pair of shoes under my desk and I'd say, okay, which one am I wearing today? And then if I had an event at night, I had another shoe pair of shoes in my shoulder bag. So I wanted the shoes that I was designing to be made of really great soft leathers, um, to be ergonomically designed so that even when you're wearing a heel, you kind of feel like you're wearing a flat. I have a lot of comfort foam put into the shoes um, and they last a really, really long time because who cares if you have removable components, if the shoe's going to break down so quickly. Right. Right. So um, I found this agent in Brazil who used to work for the Camuto group, Kate Spade, Tori Birch over, you know, a 20 year history. And, um, I sent him my first prototypes, but nothing with the heel because I didn't want him to know what I was thinking. And then six months after I quit my job, I got on a plane and flew to Brazil for a week and had these two perfect strangers pick me up and spent a week going from factory to factory to factory developing not just the shoe, but all the leathers, the toe clips, the sandal straps, um, so on and so forth. And I had my first production land at JFK uh, a month later. So what what's the time period here from 2014? May 30th, 2014, I did my first show at the Massachusetts Conference for Women in Boston. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm Boston-based. I've been to that. Okay. okay. was the keynote speaker that year. So there were well over 10,000 women. Yes. I rented a 10 by 10 booth. I didn't even have a hotel room. I drove home as high as a kite that night because I could not believe how many shoes I sold. 
Wow. Oh, amazing. Now, when you were having the shoes produced, were you worried that someone was going to steal your idea? And I, I know you have a patent. Like, when did that come into play? Um, the patent was actually started in 2013. So y- you ahead of time knew that you were going to patent this, like you had the foresight to think about that and you began a patent process. And did you get a lawyer's advice? Like, how did you know what to do? I did. So I was working with SCORE, C-S-C-O. Oh, yes. SCORE, S-C-O-R-E. Yes. Small Business Development Center, the SBA, the Small Business Administration. I was giving as much free help as I possibly could. I attended lots of different workshops and seminars on, you know, how to start your own business, how to, you know, file um, a, a for the IRS, you know, getting, getting any ID number or so on and so forth. <laughs> the gentleman that I had been working with at the SBDA, Small Business Development Center, I had met at a seminar where he spoke. He himself was an inventor. And so during the course of the many meetings I had with him, he had put me in touch um, with a couple of different attorneys, patent attorneys, um, who I interviewed. And I ended up picking one in Stamford, Connecticut. Um, and so that was 2013. And, and he, I'm still working with him now. Wow. Okay. So, so interesting. And you're, you're really resourceful, um, looking at um, all these opportunities to get advice uh, in like in a, for fairly low cost uh, with SCORE and the SBA, SBDA. Um, and I can tell just by the way you're talking that, you know, you might go to a seminar and you go up there and you meet the person who, who's speaking and somehow you get into conversation and that leads to having a meeting and then you are, you're making that meeting happen. Is, is that correct? Is that how some of this happened? Oh, absolutely. And it still, it continues to happen. It's not, it's nonstop. Mm-hmm. That's called hustle. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm quoting um, Gary Vaynerchuk. I don't know if you ever um, uh, follow him, and and he talks all about entrepreneurship, and and it's all in the hustle. And um, you know, you have to be able to take the steps that you're describing by taking the initiative and um, meeting people, and following up, and setting up the meetings, and going after resources, and you're doing all of this at the same time that you're doing the actual work on the business itself. Um. So uh, can you talk a little bit about um, th- how you got the name and also tell us more about the product? How, how, what is the product and how does it work? And, and do people buy a shoe and the, and the pieces around it or like, wh- what is it? Yes. Okay. So Shoe Candy as our company, meaning I have a collection called Shoe Candy by Caramac. So it's our collection. Has a total of three different heel heights and sizes. So we have a five-eighth inch flat, which we have in five shoe styles: a Chelsea boot, a smoking slipper, a sandal, a uh, a little ballet, and a slide. And the same heel works on all five of those shoes. So if I had the Betty boot, which is our our little Chelsea boot, and it had a python 
heel cover. In the spring, I can now take our stunning sandal, put the same python heel cover on it, and then put a python strap across the sandal. And then that night when I'm dancing in on my cruise, uh, I can take the strap and the heel off and put my crystals and dress them up or go to a wedding. I see. Okay. Yeah. So everything works with something else. All of our block heels. So we have a block heel boot called the Broadway boot. We have the perfect pump. And we have the celebrity sandal, the same thing. I could take the heel cover off of one shoe and put it on the other. I could take the straps off of my low sandal. I could put them on my high sandal. I could take the shoe clip off of my ballet or my perfect pump and um, put it into the sandal strap and come up with a totally different look. I know it's hard unless you're looking at pictures, but um, it's super, super versatile. And so the name Shoe Candy came up because it was more like um, a woman being a kid in a candy store. Because when you come to our boutique or when we were in Macy's last week or the, excuse me, the month of October, we were in Macy's Herald Square for a month. Um, or if you come to one of our booths at a show, women go crazy because there's so much choice. So then I had to calm them down and I have to say, what do you have in your closet? Do you wear all black and white? Do you, you know, pop it with red? Are you fun? Would you like some red hot lips on your heels? We have skulls, we have crystals, we have pearls. Um, for Macy's, I did the uh, an embroidery of the New York skyline with one crystal over the Statue of Liberty. Wow, I love it. Um Carol, hold that thought for one moment. I just want to tell our listeners that uh, you are listening to 321 I Relaunch. This is Carol Fishman Cohen, your host, and I'm speaking with Kara Mack, who is the creator of Shoe Candy, and she's telling us about her entrepreneurial journey. So, Carol, please, please continue. So, like when someone you you buy, you can buy the product, um, whether you're at one of your booths at, at a show, or if you come into Macy's when you have kind of a pop-up store or a, some, some kind of presence there, um, is, do you, can you also buy online or do you need to buy in person? No, you can certainly buy online. Um, when I first started the company, uh, I did it out of my home for the first three years. And that was tough on my two boys and my husband. They didn't care about much because you know, the playroom became the warehouse, the kitchen table became the warehouse, the guest room became the warehouse. Uh, almost exactly a year ago, we opened a boutique in Yorktown Heights, New York. And um, so that was for two reasons. A was to get out of my house. But B, um, women do like to touch, feel, and try on shoes, um, especially if you don't know the brand, you don't know the fit, you don't know the quality. So this has been a really great move for me personally, because not only am I out of my house, um, I don't have those two 10 by 10 storage facilities anymore. Everything is under one roof. Um, it's a super cute boutique. We have women's parties here. Um, we do all sorts of like social events. And as far as purchasing, when I do shows, so this time last year, between September and December, I personally did 17 shows on the road. 
And it's backbreaking. Yes. Speaking of backbreaking, how do you leverage yourself? Do you have people working for you? And has that changed as you've experienced this growth? Okay. So I, in 2015, maybe four or five months after I launched, I took on a, uh, a business partner, uh, somebody I've known since our, I think our early twenties, we used to be in the city together, working in different industries. Um, we had a beach house together with our friends out in the Hamptons. We didn't have cell phones. So who knows how we ever hooked up with everybody, but we did. And so we've stayed friendly um, our entire career as well. And, and her name is Anne, Anne Marin. She lives in California now, but she her skills complemented mine. So she has more of the, the uh, business background. She's run co a company before. So she's owned her own startup in the past. As branding and marketing um, experience. So our skills complemented each other because I was really the designer, creative guru, operational, logistical, sales uh, person. And, you know, she was able to take on a, a good chunk of what I just couldn't handle. Mm hmm. Um, and then do you have other people who work for you or like when you go on the road and do 17 shows in one quarter, how do you do that? Uh, well, last year I mostly brought a, a local friend, my good girlfriend, Terry, and we were like Thelma and Louise. I mean, we would make the best of it, whether we were flying or driving, we would make sure we had a good time. So we, uh, you know, then we can look forward to each event instead of, you know, getting nervous about, am I going to throw my back out? Right. Um, and, you know, Anne joined me whenever she could, uh, especially on the West Coast trips, she would be there. Um, and, I, and then I've been hiring interns. So I always look for the high school, college intern that wants to have a career in fashion. Um, that's my prerequisite. And I have some fabulous, fabulous young ladies that have worked for me, that continue to work for me, that are just starting to work for me. Um, unfortunately, my favorite is in Italy for a semester, so I miss her terrible. Um, right. And this way, it's a two-way street. I'm helping the, the schools out with their, their intern program. Um, they're helping me get stuff done, and they're learning. Sounds perfect. It sounds uh, like it, it's a win-win for, for both parties or for everyone involved. Um, Kara, I know that you are the winner of the UPS Export Challenge. You've been on Project Entrepreneur. You, you, you've been on TV. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how did that all happen? Did, did you one day apply for one of these and suddenly you found out that you won and then one thing led to another or did they just happen out of the blue? Like, how does, how do things like that happen? And maybe can you give us a little more detail about um, some of those experiences? Um, I would say that to be an entrepreneur, you can't have your head down all the time. You have to get out there. There are so many opportunities, and especially for women these days, um, to apply. Most of them are application-based, whether it's an accelerator, an incubator, um, point twenty-five, which was... Uh, looking for professional women to be on your advisory board, the UPS export challenge. I'm not even sure 
I don't even remember how I heard about that, but it was a very, very long um, application and we were narrowed down. I think there were five, five or 600 applicants and we made it into the top six. And then we had to go to New York City and, and actually do a live pitch in front of judges. Wow. Uh, we did not win first place. We won third place, but we were absolutely thrilled. And we got to carry one of those really huge checks. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, love it. And how did you prep for that, um, the pitch? The same way I prepped for the pitch on uh, CNBC, Power Pitch, the same way we, you know, I would prep for any pitch is you got to memorize it and, um, and, and own it. And I have to say, you know, this is something that Anne is very strong with. She, she's been on TV in the past and she can memorize things. And, um, so she saved me a few times. <laughs> hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I like how you tell people you have to memorize. So in order to memorize, you have to write it out and think about your message and you have to practice like crazy over and over again out loud, right? Out loud. And it helps to look in a mirror sometimes so you can make sure your facial expressions match the words and your, uh, you know, the tone of your voice and so on and so forth. So I used to have these um, big pieces of paper all hanging all over my bathroom when I was, you know, brushing my teeth and putting on makeup. And I would record them on my iPhone and just drive and listen to them over and over and over. Um, And I was still bad at it. (laughs) But, you know, this is so important because when people, if people go onto CNBC and they see you pitch um, because it's on YouTube, um, you make it look like you make it look easy and you realize what, when we're having this conversation that 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 type of a performance is the result of hours and hours of practice over and over again out loud. That's a really important message. Um, and so tell us about where you are now in the growth cycle of the company and are you bootstrapping the company? Uh, like, how are you making, how is the growth happening? So yes, the, the company has been bootstrapped since day one and it continues to be. However, we have a lot of things going on right now. Um, I think that the first two to three years was more about getting proof of concept for the idea of the heel cover, the sandal straps, the toe clips. Will they fall off? Will they break? Um, you know, is it a liability to somebody? And the answer there, no, it's pa- they've passed all the tests. So now it's uh, twofold. Having the utility patent for the heel cover, which is the most important patent because every shoe has a heel on it. Mm-hmm. Having that utility patent and keeping it in a, what they call a continuation status, which means we want to keep that patent as strong as possible and make sure nobody can uh, copy it or do anything like it. Um, we are reaching out to major shoe companies to license our what we call our technology. Mm-hmm. So say, somebody's going to benefit from being able to use this on their shoes, on their heel height, on their last, um, they can do whatever they want. So that's something that we're, we're working on right now. 
um, as well as getting ready to go out for a seed round. Got it. Wow. Super exciting. Um, so great to hear it. Can you, can you talk about your life now and, you know, think back to your over 20 years as a designer and all the, the different roles that you had with working with different, um, design companies or I, I, or I'm not sure what the entities were that where you were working and now you're running your own show and you have this incredible idea and it's growing and, and you've got all this exciting, uh, these exciting prospects ahead. What's your life like now? And, and what is a given week look like? Notice I'm not saying a typical week because uh, I'm sure there's no such thing as a typical week when you're building a company like Shoe Candy, but can you give us a feel for uh, what it's like to be Kara Mack? Um, well, some call me crazy Kara. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like that emoji. That's just, you know, it's constantly running. It doesn't stop. Um, but I love my life much better than I did when I was commuting into the city. I have to say, um, also because my children are older, I have a senior in high school and I have a freshman in college. Um, so to kind of be closer to home. I prefer that and not to be gone so much. Um, I do love our little boutique in Yorktown. It's super cute. It used to be an ice cream store and it has the bones. It has the black and white tile and has all the built-in. And then we made it very feminine um, and fun. So I love coming here pretty much, I would say, every day except for Sunday. Um, I, although I don't open on Mondays, I I'll, I love to come here and be alone and, and get work done. And I don't know, it's, there's something nice about somebody not yelling at you and somebody not telling you what to do and somebody um, who, you know, you have to report to. It's just nice to be able to make your own schedule and your own hours. And I probably work at least double the hours than when I was a paid full-time employee. <laughs> right. At least double. Yeah. But I enjoy it. I, I enjoy the networking. I belong to some fabulous group, NABO, the National Association of Women Business Owner. That prerequisite is you must own a business. And so you're with women from all over the country that own their own business. And all willing to help each other out and give tips and advice. I belong to the Business Council of Westchester. I belong to the Professional Women of Westchester. I belong to, you know, some side groups, mastermind groups, where once a month we'll get on um, on a, a video on the computer and have an hour chat about each other's business. So there's just so many benefits of working for yourself. I'm so intrigued uh, about how you have taken this concept of you, you have to get out of the house. And you, you, as you said, you can't always have your head down internally focused on your business. You have to get out of the house and how just creative and uh, I don't, I can't even think of the word, but, but the um, just taking the initiative that you have to be take advantage of all these different resources, to apply for all these different competitions, to um, be involved in uh, uh, women's or entrepreneur groups, um, and a lot of them, and be maintaining all of that networking and connectiveness at the same time that you're building your business and feeling like it's actually been critical in the success of your business. 
that that you've been able to do that. So kudos. I, I'm just so inspired. Well, thank you. I think that there are so many women that I know that are in my safe space. That's that's like a power driver as well, Carol, is so that you're not the only one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was on a, a Facebook Live for a company called I Fund Women last night. and Republic. Oh, I know that company. That's a great company. Yes. And I met her at Project Entrepreneur, actually. And you know what they did? So she's a crowdfunding platform. Instead of just doing this on her own, she asked the woman, her name was, oh, I can't remember her name, from Republic, which is another crowdfunding platform. They did this together on Facebook Live. And it was really geared towards women because women are so underfunded compared to men. Um, I think it's, I think 2% of women's women owned companies get VC funding as opposed to men. And, uh, the idea that they did this together competitors, I think it tells a nice story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and they probably realized that by doing it together, it actually boosts both of them, um, and everyone they're trying to support. So, really smart. Um, you know, we're running out of time and I wish I, I could talk to you much longer, Kara, but I want to wrap up by asking you the question that we ask all of our podcast guests. And that is, what is your top piece of advice for our relauncher audience? Even if it's something that you've already mentioned in our conversation today. So I think the relauncher audience is much broader than an uh, you know, an entrepreneur like myself. I know that when um, you hosted that I relaunched day at Columbia University, I met all sorts of wonderful women. Some had just left their corporate environment to raise their kids. Some had, and then they were trying to get back into the workforce. Um, you know, some were thinking of starting their own business. So I could really only speak for myself and that would be entrepreneurial um, and I, I, I think that the most important thing that, and my top piece of advice is if you want to follow in these types of footsteps, um, make sure you have a lot of money mm-hmm. because it's a stressor. You know, that is such important advice for entrepreneurs, because I think when people think about starting their businesses, they don't think about having to go through an extended period of time when they're not going to be bringing in income. So that's why some people will say, don't quit your day job until you're in a position where you have accumulated enough um, capital that you could fund uh, a business. And you know, for people who are coming off of career break, which is a time when you are unlikely to, uh, you're, not, you're specifically not generating income, um, you need to think about whether you are in a financial position uh, to uh, be on an entrepreneurial journey. And maybe it's something that you have to put off and you, you before, so you can um, make some money again in a more conventional way and then later start a company. Or maybe you are in a position from work for one reason or another where you actually do have the um, financial flexibility that would allow you to um, go for X number of years with without income or without with lumpy income, unpredictable income stream. Yeah, because you know the expenses really add up. I mean, just the patent attorney expenses. 
Um, and, you know, even these events that I've been invited to, whether it, you know, the one in DC, HSN, the one in, in New York City, I mean, they're paying for the event, but you have to pay for your transportation and your hotel. So that is such important advice. And I'm so glad that you ended with that advice. Um, and also, I didn't mention this at the beginning, but I want to thank you for being one of the speakers at our iRelaunch Return to Work conference at Columbia. That was oh, it was so much fun. You know, I met somebody at that event that I had been trying to get a hold of for a year and a half. Wow. And, and we were together in the city last week. At a, a, a shoe sourcing. Oh, I love that. So just underscoring, and we tell this to relaunchers just in general, whether they're looking to do something entrepreneurial or they're looking to go back to a conventional corporate job, that you cannot conduct your relaunch from behind your computer in your house. You have to get out of the house and go public with your job search. And it's the same rule that you're, you're uh, illustrating here, Kara, where you have to get out of the house and have these conversations. And there you were at our conference, really helping us by being a speaker and telling your story. And, and at that event, you made you met someone who you have been wanting to meet that would help you. So love that. Uh, it's great. A great way to end. So Kara, thanks for joining us today. Can you tell us how our listeners can find out more about Chew Candy? Oh, sure. So uh, we do have a website. It is going to be uh, reworked a little bit. Um, so the address is shoecandy.shoes. So we don't have a .com in our address. It's shoecandy, one word, .shoes. And then we have an Instagram, shoecandyshoes, a Facebook, shoecandybycaramac page, on Twitter, uh, LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yeah, because yeah. say you have to get out, you have to get out. That's right. And and you have to be putting the word out and be actively engaging with your audience through all those different social media platforms. So seek it out, everyone. And Kara, what what an incredible example you are of an entrepreneur um, building uh, in the you know high growth stages and early stages of build, building a business. And thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much, Carol. I really appreciate it. You have been listening to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, chair and co founder of I Relaunch, and your host for today. For more information about I Relaunch, go to irelaunch.com. And if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it on iTunes and your favorite podcast platform, and be sure to share this podcast with a friend on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media. Thanks for joining us.